Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. We are in Romans chapter 4 and we are going to finish Romans chapter 4. We are going to be looking at verses 16 through the rest of the chapter. The title of this message is Lesson, a Lesson on Faith. And if you will, it may be eye-opening to some, it may hurt for others. For some, it would be revealing. And I pray for all of us that we put into practice what we hear and see this morning because we do need a lesson like this. We're singing songs this morning and they, believe it or not, reflect faith. So if you would stand up for the reading of the Word of God. Starting at verse 16 in chapter 4, it says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also of those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope and hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and his deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to do, to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it is not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification Father, our prayer this morning is, again, that we embrace the truth of Your Word. The Lord, that we embrace Your grace this morning. We thank You that Your grace never runs out. It never runs dry. It's always, always there for us. It always satisfies. It always fulfills Your purpose and will in our life. And Lord, our prayer is this morning that each of us would understand what it means to really, truly believe and trust in You. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Therefore, verse 16, it is of faith or out of faith, according to grace, unmerited favor, we deserve nothing. First of all, start off this. Something we really need to face, each of us. Because see, if we don't jump over this hurdle, the rest is hard. Listen to my words, because I will listen to them too. You deserve nothing. What you and I deserve is hell. 
and judgment. Are you with me? Because see, for some reason, we as believers think that God owes us something, even in our lives. If they're not a rose garden, if things aren't going the way we want them to, then we we question God. The truth of the matter, you and I deserve nothing. We deserve judgment. But, just as it's already been said in verse 5 of chapter 4, but to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You are saved by faith. But also to the promise of God, as is written in his word, Abraham believed God, that God gives life to the dead. You know, it's been said that God comes to save. But he doesn't really come just to save. What he does is he comes to bring life to that which was dead. See, you and I deserving death, deserving hell, which is separation from God. God entered into the picture. You with me? God entered into the picture and he made us who were dead and separated from God alive. You and I, amen. Thank you. Amen. We are alive because of him. Once dead, or as Colossians 2.13 says, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh He has made alive together with Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses, all sin. You are forgiven, not by your works, not by anything that you have done, but God did it. See, he calls that word calls in verse 17 means to call out these things which did not exist as though they did. He recreates out of nothing. You and I had no hope. So what God did was he paid it all. He did it all. And here's the beauty of it. We believe and we are now recreated. We are born again. That's his work. That's his biz. Even though, if you will, in verse 18, all these things do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, meaning Abraham saw no hope. There was no hope to hope in. The circumstances were bad. There's no visible reason to hope. But, look at that, in hope. Why? Because in hope, listen, in hope, biblically speaking, is expectation of good from God. That's the hope. Expectation of good from God. For God is Good. Now let's put this together. You deserve, I deserve nothing but hell. But because of God's grace and because of God's goodness, we have hope. Isn't that good news? And this is where we can say amen again. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Now, some of us are still questioning, like, am I really saved? Has God really done a work in my heart? Answer this question. Have you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Did he die on the cross for your sins? 
Did he arise again from the dead? Is he now at the right hand of the throne of the living God? If you believe these things and if you walk in this truth, then you are born again. But wait a minute, I don't feel it. No, because if you go by your feelings, you're going to find something. Feelings usually lead to flesh. FF. Feelings to flesh. It's not based on my feelings. It's based on God's promise, which we'll talk about. I look at verse 19. And not being weak in faith, speaking of Abraham, what does weak mean? It means without strength, feeble, powerless, needy. Now you're going, okay, wait a minute. Uh, I have weak faith. Do you? What makes faith weak? Ah, if you would, turn with me to John chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, we'll touch on this really quick. Verse 1 says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethsaida. Said Bethsaida, excuse me, Bethsaida, having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water, for an angel went down at certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, was that true? No, not really, but it's what they believed. That if the water stirred, you jump in, you're healed. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to them, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Now, there's four things here that makes a faith weak. Four things. If you notice, the first thing that he says is that I have no one to help me. See, his eyes was on other people. He was dependent upon others. Then he says, while I'm coming down, another steps down before me. Notice, I am coming. I cannot. My eyes are on me and my faith and my ability. I cannot. It's dependent on others. I cannot. I have not the faith. I have not the ability. I have not the knowledge. I have not the strength. Another steps down. If you could get rid of all these people, the circumstances are too much for me. If you could just get rid of these people here, I could get in. Dependence on others. I cannot. My faith is weak. Circumstances are too hard for me. It's been 38 years. The timing I want. I want my timing. I want to be healed. I've been by this pool how long? I have no idea. What's interesting though, he must have, and those people around the pool must have heard about Jesus. Why are they still around the pool? Because I can do it. All I need to do is get into the water. You with me? So let's think this through. Am I dependent on others? 
to build up my faith? Do I depend upon myself and feel I'm weak? Or I still think I can do it? Is it the circumstances that I want changed? If only God would remove this, then I would have the faith to do. If only God would heal me, then I would have the faith. If only God would give me a better job, then I would have the faith. If only God would give me a better spouse, then I would have the faith. If only God would do, you put in the blank. That's what we do. And then it's the timing. It's my timing. 38 years he's been sick. How long was Abraham waiting? Years. We always think sometimes when we read in the Bible these things happen instantaneously. But there's a time frame. And God's timing is always perfect. But still, if you will, verse 8, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Immediately the man was made well. And he took up his bed and he walked. God said the time is now. Do you believe? All he had to do was just get up. Now, we'll go back to that. But look at verse 19. Go back to Romans chapter 4. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body dead, already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And see, Abraham didn't consider. Some manuscripts is without the negative. Either way, Abraham didn't fix his eyes on himself. His body was dead. He didn't fix it on Sarah or others. He didn't fix it on the circumstances of the deadness of both his and Sarah's reproductive organs. Or his timing. He trusted God. See, verse 20 says that he did not waver at the promise of God. He didn't go back and forth. It wasn't through unbelief. Unbelief in its simplest definition is I'll give you one. Ready? Unbelief is God doesn't speak or act or do as we believe he should in the timing that we declare. Let me say that again. Unbelief is that God doesn't speak, he doesn't act, he doesn't do as we believe he should, and in the timing that we see fit. That makes a faith weak. His eyes is fixed on God who promises. Now notice what happens. His faith is strengthened. It's passive. He didn't strengthen it. God strengthened it. Abraham gave glory to God. Totally out of his hands. He just trusted God. Oh, if we sat down with him, timing probably he would have wanted it different, but it wasn't up to him. So he trusted that God's perfect timing was right. 
so all he could do was give glory to God. How big was Abraham's faith? I declare to you, my guess is a mustard seed. Just a little faith. <laughs> but what that faith was in, and who it was, that makes all the difference. Faith is talked about a lot today, but it really comes down to what's your faith in. We hear athletes say, I have faith in myself. We hear actors say you have to have faith in the process. We hear that in politics too. The truth of the matter is all faith is empty and shallow because of what it is in. But we who believe in the living God realize that he who calls that which does not exist as though it does exist that he is the God of possibilities, that with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Can you say amen to that? Verse 21 then. And being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform Being fully convinced, Robertson puts it this way, to settle fully. What God promised he was able to perform or do, there was a finality to what God had promised. It was done. What God has promised in his word to those who are his Remember, we talked about this last week. It's as if it is done. He sees it already performed. Now, look at verse 22. Therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Not Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Just like Abraham was a prototype of this, that that which was dead, the circumstances were completely out of his control. He had no trust in himself or others, his wife. But he believed in him who could call that which was dead to life, that which was nothing into existence. He fully had confidence in him. And so do we that Jesus Christ, though we were dead in our trespasses and sin, That he died for our sins and his righteousness now is imputed upon us. Not because of your work, not because of your great faith, but because of who you put your faith in. That has saved you this morning. And all God's children say, Amen. Nothing that I can do. Verse 24. But also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. That God, in his great love for us, sent his son to die for us because there was no other way. And it's by grace that you and I are saved. For God gives life to the dead. God gives life in Jesus Christ.
Jesus delivered up because of our failure. Faith. Faith. I will close, and I'm serious, on these points. Two verses I'll bring to your attention. In Hebrews 11.6 it says this, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Him. Not for you, per se. Not for a better life. There was times of Christians would promote Christianity by saying, yeah, come to Jesus and all your life will be perfect. No, it may not. It may not. Come to Jesus and you'll be happy. That's a happen chance. That's circumstances. But the things that we can guarantee is what God has written in His heart, that there is a peace that passes understanding, that there's a joy that if you let it bubble up inside you, it'll come out. And it's not joy of the circumstances you find yourself, but the joy that you are in a relationship with the God who loves you. That everything that is given to you is because of His grace. Not because of anything you've done. Not because of your beauty. Not because of your lack of it. Not because of your intelligence. Not because of your lack of it. Not because you've been a good little boy or a good little girl. Because you haven't been. It's all because of what God has done for you. And again, all we say is, Amen. The next verse I want to bring your attention to is the one we've kind of alluded to. Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. Now, you say that and you go, okay, let's start moving mountains. Let's get them out of the way. And that's where a lot of people will say, I have the faith to move mountains. No, that's not right. See, it's the faith in Him who can move the mountains. That's what it's all about. So I'm going to look at eight things quickly here and what it means to have faith. And it's a lesson of faith for all of us. I pray for all of us that we let it sink into our hearts and mind. Faith, listen, faith is to fix our eyes on God. Not ourselves. Not our faith. Not others. Faith is to fix our eyes on God. His grace. I don't deserve anything. (laughs) But I've been given everything. God's riches at Christ's expense. I, like we talked about last week, God sees me already seated in the heavenly, sanctified, made righteous and pure, born completely anew. That's God's perspective. My faith embraces His grace. Faith has fixed our eyes on God and His hope. It's the expectation of good because God is good. Whatever we find ourselves in, whatever predicament, we have to acknowledge this. That God is good and God is at work. There is always hope in God. No matter what you find yourself in. 
And I think you already know this. Isn't it interesting as believers that things could really get black and you can get really despondent, you can get really depressed, but there's something, there's a kernel of light in you that says there's hope? What is that? That's God. God says, beyond your darkness, you've embraced the light. So faith is fixing our eyes on the God of grace, but also the God of hope. There's always hope. See, faith is fixing our eyes on God and His promises. They are sure. Everything that God has promised us will come to pass. Oh, again, maybe some of them we won't see here. But we shall see them. God is not a liar. It's trusting Him in His Word. Faith is fixing our eyes on God and His power. Not my circumstances. God is the mountain mover. God is the one that takes that which is dead and makes life. God is the one that takes something that does not exist and brings existence. He speaks and it is. That's God. See, it's it's not based on strength of your faith. Again, it's based on Him. It's putting whatever we have, every little ounce of it, and looking at Him and saying, I'm fixing my eyes on you, and I believe that you can do what is right and good. Faith is to fix our eyes on God and His timing. Write that one down. His timing, not mine. Not what I think needs to be done. Not when I think it needs to be done. But it's always His time and it's always perfect. And I know that's a hard one. Because so many times, especially in our society, we want it now. Because then we think, then I'll be a believer, a strong one. No. Remember something. Faith is strengthened through this process of seeing God for who He is. Not from what you're trying to make Him to be. For God is who He is all the time. See, faith is to fix our eyes on God and His Will. Not yours. Not mine. Because see, His will, listen, His will, don't miss this, His will is to love and perfect us and use us in our lives. His will is to love and to perfect us and to use us in our lives. Not for what I want. You see, so many times, like it says in James, I ask amiss. Last one. Faith is to fix our eyes on God 
and his glory, not mine. See, we always think things that, you know, oh, you know, like, like so many times people say, you know, if God started healing people, if God started, you know, um, doing miracles again in front of people, and God still does miracles, I'm not saying he doesn't. But I mean, in service sets, we just have these tent meetings and there's people, the lame are walking. People would believe then. No, because, again, it's the heart of man. The heart of man just wants what they want. Those become sideshows because God, God doesn't necessarily get glorified. People get what they want and they walk away. See, it's to the needy, it's to the hurting, it's to the lonely, it's to the sad, it's to the empty, it's to the broken, it's to those that said, I can't. And I see the hypocrisy of others and they can't. And I see the circumstances and they're never going to change. There's never going to be peace on this earth. This earth is never going to be perfect apart from God. It ain't going to happen. That's a word in the Southern Dictionary. It ain't going to happen. Not here. But see, everything that is done in my life for it to really to have faith and to do is again the trust and the question. The question to me is, am I asking this for His glory or am I just making it easier for myself? And would this reveal His glory? for my pain and suffering. I know you're not writing that down because see, to be a Christian means that you shall be persecuted. To be a Christian, Jesus says, it means you're going to have tribulation. To be a Christian means that all men are going to hate you because of me, Jesus said. We don't like to talk about those things. But see, it's not about this place it's not about this life in the sense of what i'm getting out of it it's all about what god is getting out of my life for his glory and me fixing my eyes on him knowing that he loves me and this is not the end So, remember this. Faith is fixing my eyes on God. It's fixing my eyes on His grace. It's fixing my eyes on His hope. It's fixing my eyes on His promises. It's fixing my eyes on His power. It's fixing my eyes on His timing. It's fixing my eyes on His will. It's fixing my eyes on His glory. For He shall not share His glory with another. Not even my faith. Do I need to repeat that? It's not about the strength of your faith. It's about where you put that faith. And who. Tough lesson, huh? I think we all find ourselves guilty. Guilty of, again, expectation of my good. For what I want. Not what God wants. But if we can grab this. Then God can be glorified. 
If we can grab this, then we'll understand what it means to be as Jesus, to walk in his perfect will. If we can grab this, we'll understand the peace of God that passes. I'll understand. If we can grab this, then we can understand the God that moves mountains. If we can understand this, then we can fix our eyes on Him who loves us and is perfecting us. If we can grab this, then we can be used by God to change the hearts of man because they will see His glory in and through you and me. And God says, Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this truth. And my prayer is for each of us, Lord, that we grab hold of it. We're all guilty, Lord, of asking amiss, of asking of things for our purpose and for our will. My prayer is for each of us, Lord, that we would grow right now in the truth and the knowledge of the word that we just heard. And that our faith would not be looked upon of how much I have, but that I put it all, every kernel of this little tiny seed in you. I pray for each of us that we'd fix our eyes on God, that we'd trust him, that he would work out his promises in and through us, regardless of how we feel. And that we can rest assured that your word will be fulfilled in our lives. I pray that this would be a church of faith. I pray that this would be a church of God. I pray that this would be a church filled with your spirit for only one purpose, for your purpose and your glory, for your will, for you. So my prayer for each of us, Lord, hear our prayer. We beseech you that we, Lord, would be strengthened in our faith, not for faith itself, but that our eyes would be fixed on You. Here and now, Lord, and for the rest of our days on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen.